1: Hello, my name's Ed Clementi. I'm your host today, and we're fortunate to have Sue Tellier. She is the owner and president of Grand Rapids-based Jetco Federal, a supply chain management and logistics company. Is that correct, everything I said there, Sue?
2: That is correct so far, Ed. You have not messed anything up so far. You've gotten yeah. off to a great
1: start. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. And I should also mention that uh, we have known each other a while. Uh, we worked together <laughs> in the legislature. So the, the friendliness has been longstanding between us. So, uh, But I, I just want to thank you very much, though, Sue, seriously, for doing this. And I know you're pretty busy. W- why don't you tell people real quick sort of what uh, JECO is, just in your own words?
2: Yeah, you bet. So Jetco Federal started uh, in 2007 as a kind of a, a wholesaler of primarily packaging supplies. And it wasn't about what we were wholesaling. It was about where we were sending it into and what the sales process was. We only cared about working with government and we only cared about delivering to highly secure facilities because we liked the complexity of it. And because my English major background had nothing to do with packaging or supply chain management, we thought, well, this sounds like a great call. (laughs) Fortunately, it worked. And we've morphed into a pretty complex supply chain management logistics firm that works primarily within the defense industrial base. So I'm working with the Defense Logistics Agency and the Army and the Navy to either perform kitting or to do some more advanced supply chain management so that they have a single source for multiple items that would come from disparate manufacturers. And they know that they're all coming from small, highly qualified manufacturers through us. And then we also work with prime defense contractors to help them fulfill their government manufacturing orders through um, sophisticated packaging, design and kitting and labeling that we do at our location in Grand Rapids. It sounds really boring the way I just described it, but I get to package some really interesting stuff. Things that go boom come into our warehouse, and then we package them and keep them safe.
1: Now, you, I I would imagine there's some proprietary, and uh, you have to keep quiet some of the stuff I'm sure you're doing, right? You betcha. You betcha. Yeah, and I know because we've had... Well, we've had Vicki Selva on, who I know you've worked with at the Michigan uh, Defense Initiative. Is that correct?
2: The Michigan Defense Center is is the organization Center. she runs. Yes. And she is. Yes. Yeah. And she is. I'd, I'd have to I'd have to swear to describe her well. And it's a really complimentary term. And you guys told me not to do that. So I'm not going to describe <laughs> her in the way I was going to. But she's amazing. She's great for the defense industry.
1: That's great. Yeah. And I know she's been doing it a long time, Eva, under Sander Levin as a staff person. I know she's been involved. That's
2: right. I forgot about that. I think she worked for both Levens, actually.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I know. Oh, she worked for Carl. That's right. Originally, that's right. I think she worked for Carl originally. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is the anyway, this
2: is the Vicki Selva show that we're doing here on the Michigan Opportunity <laughs> Podcast today.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I know you're sort of like, uh, you know, being a little humorous, but you're also on some pretty interesting boards too. You're what What is WIP, WIPP? W-I-P-P.
2: It's it's a it's a it's a national advocacy organization for um, primarily women-owned small businesses. WIP stands for Women Impacting Public Policy, and so it's a, a very strong, well-respected organization that's based in the Beltway, and they um, they advocate for different policy pillars that women business owners experience routinely. Um, one of those that I care the most about is parity and clarity in the federal contracting programs federal set-aside programs have some differences and some nuances between the different set-aside groups. And WIP does a very effective job um, advocating for parity for women-owned small businesses or WASBs within that landscape. So that's not it's a really amazing organization. Great
1: organization. Right. It's not just defense though, right? It's... Uh, no,
2: it's not. And it's, it's small not. Business. But okay. I'm also involved. I am also involved in women in defense, both nationally and in the Michigan chapter, another really stellar organization and in that one. It's not necessarily an advocacy organization. It is a connectivity organization where there's a recognition that wel- welcoming people to the defense industrial base that maybe have been underrepresented or not not, not brought along in, in the, in the quantities that we would like to have them brought along. You know, it's, we advocate for, you know, STEM programs in the schools, and we really try to connect uh, women with mentorship opportunities. Um, And we just, we just really encourage more women to get involved in the defense industrial base generally
1: through WID. Yeah. And you were I got the, WID and WIP. Do you want any more acronyms, Ed? I got no, all the no, acronyms. I've got some coming up, don't worry. Um cool, cool, the, cool. you're the vice president actually of the women in defense for the Michigan chapter. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, and nationally. I'm actually also on the national council and I'm the vice chair for WID National and the Vice President for WID Michigan.
1: Wow. I have a hard time saying no, apparently. Yeah, well, that time management's very important, as you might know. Time management. Um, I, I gotta work on that. <laughs> <laughs> so so um I also know that you're also on the I think executive committee for SBAM, the small business yeah. association of Michigan. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I've been on the board for for the Small Business Association of Michigan for I don't know, a handful of years now. And I'm on the executive committee as their second vice chair. And SBAM, for anybody who doesn't know, is a. Uh The most, the strongest and most well-respected small business advocacy organization in the nation. It is just what they do in Michigan. Um, You know, there's 28,000 plus small business owners that are members, and you can't join the organization unless you're a small business owner. So it's just a really special camaraderie um, where you can, you know, there's idea sharing, there's information sharing, there's failure sharing, and it's it's just a really powerful organization.
1: And uh, you just got a new executive director there. Right. Or president. I don't know what his title is.
2: We did. I don't know if you heard this guy before. This this Brian (laughs) Callie fellow. I don't know. He's been around in Michigan a couple of times. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, Lieutenant
2: Governor, right. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's done something other in Michigan. I don't know. But he's, you know, the interesting thing about Brian Kelly joining SBAM, um, he joined us, it feels like a thousand years ago as our president, because he's he's always been such a good friend to small business that having him join the organization from um, from a from a full-time perspective seemed like such a natural. And then with, with our longtime CEO, Rob Fowler, transitioning out at the end of this year, um, Brian and stepping in to take both of those roles, so he'll be president and CEO as of January.
1: And, and that really sort of uh, segues into how we met each other. You were working in the House uh, leadership office, right? And uh, it's true. And then lieutenant, or he wasn't lieutenant governor then, but uh, he was representative Cali back then. When he, when we, ser- I served with him in the House. We were on a couple of committees together, actually. So he was always I wouldn't be surprised
2: if and I I didn't you you chaired something economic development y. I mean your life has is really always been centered on economic development. I mean, I know know this isn't about you, but I mean, that's, you did, you had a pretty esteemed career in the legislative branch. I mock you, but you know, your service was, you know, noticeable.
1: Well, I, uh, the the podcast is your podcast. I'm just the host and the (laughs) amplifier for it.
2: I'm just going to go ahead and take over and start asking the question.
1: (laughs) I think you already did since the beginning. Um, no, 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 no. I'm going to get back on track here, but, um, you, uh, you should, we should mention one more. We're on the MEDC, but you're also on the uh, Michigan Strategic Fund. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that is, too, because you were appointed by the governor for that, correct?
2: I was. I was. That was a really big honor. About two years ago, I was appointed to a first term on the Michigan Strategic Fund Board. And this year, um, I, was, I was nominated for a, a second term. Um, that'll be a four-year term. And the Michigan Strategic Fund is kind of the appropriations arm of the MEDC. So projects through the basically all of the different economic development programs in Michigan, some of them the MEDC. DC operates under delegated
1: authority. I, I've, I'm in on a lot of those calls just listening, but you guys really have some heavy issues to deal with, especially because you've been on it since COVID too, right? Through most of COVID as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys had some yeah, really tough challenges, know, yeah, with funding distribution and things.
2: We really did. And, you know, there's, uh, just throwing this out there, you know, there was, a, there was a time where we allocated, it was early in COVID, and I remember how all of us felt when we allocated $20 million to help small businesses in Michigan recover from COVID or survive COVID. And all of us, all we could think was, we have to sprint. We have to pass this today. And we know it's imperfect. And we know we're going to hear complaints about this. But it's it's paramount that we pass this fast. Nope, it's not enough money. Nope, it's not going to help everyone. And we're going to frustrate some people. But it's better than nothing. We can't let, you know, perfect be the enemy progress and and so we did have some really tough decisions to make early especially early in the pandemic where we knew how many companies in Michigan were hurting and we knew how badly we wanted to help them and you know there's you know there's there's only so much that you can do quickly and there's you know some of those some of those programs were imperfect but they were there
1: No, and I know it's, um, you know, there was no blueprint or real path for any state to follow. And I mean, usually Michigan's biggest challenge is usually we're the tip of the sword for, you know, industrial challenges. So we have bigger unemployment usually, you know, we're more cyclical sometimes. So that was a bigger hit for us, I think, because you were working actually in the legislature or close to it when the last recession hit, right? I was just
2: before it. Yeah, it was okay. just before it, Ed. I, I was in the uh I was in the executive branch actually before I was in the legislative branch. And I, I think I had the best job in state government because I worked for- Or the Department of Management and Budget was just Management and Budget at the time before the T was in there. The technology piece was incorporated in, and my job was supplier diversity. So I got to train companies how to bid on and win state level contracts. And then in 2007, I switched over to the legislative branch, and I
1: didn't quite make it a year. You drove me away. (laughs) I'm sure it was me. Thank you. Um, The uh, but I mean even from your resume. I think that you interacted with a ton of businesses when you were in that position as well, right?
2: I did several that I'm still close with. Several, several of the companies that I worked with back in 2005 and 2006. Some of those business owners are friends of mine through SBAM or you know, we're still in contact because they're also defense contractors. There's a, we're. I mean, Michigan has a really tight knit business community. Um, I, I, I'm. Sh- I've never lived in another state, so I think we're unique in that way. But um, I'm sure other states think they're unique too. They're just not as unique or cool.
1: Well, um. The other thing, too, is that you're not a, you, I I believe you live in Grand Rapids now, but you're not a Grand Rapids person, right? You didn't grow up there, did you?
2: I am, I am not a Grand Rapidian. I am clearly a Metro Detroiter from, from, from being raised. There's definitely a different
1: edge. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean... Kind of tell us how you kind of got into defense. I didn't know what your background was with defense in the first place. Yeah, I married into it. Um,
2: That's basically how, you know, when uh, when I say we in reference to starting my company, I started the company with my husband, John. And he is uh, he's an army ranger and uh, retired um, retired lieutenant colonel um, and Uh, He had the understanding of the military industrial base and I had the understanding of public procurement. And so we combined those two things together. And I mean, 13 years later, we're an overnight success.
0: You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast.
1: So, like, what are some of the unique, you know, sort of nuances for defense? Because, I mean, potentially people are going to listen to this podcast say they wanted to get into that sort of business or what do you, or the supply chain, if they're manufacturers, what do you kind of tell people how to get involved even?
2: Well, it's a great question because you can really waste a lot of time um, thinking that it's something that it isn't. And and I think the best favor that I can do to any small business owner, especially small business owner is to help them maximize their time and focus their resources. Um, The, the, the Department of Defense demands the highest quality contractors, and they should because there's a lot at stake. And so if you get into the defense industrial base and think that cybersecurity rules won't apply to you, you shouldn't bother. You know, there's there's a lot of things where we're a very rule-following people, and there it's, a, it's, it's heavily steeped in relationships, but there's got to be a strong infrastructure within the company in order for them to be successful. There's also amazing tools. Um, the federal government government um, has so much information. Um, there's so much transparency in how money is spent, and that means that any company that's interested in getting involved or interested in selling to the government has the ability to do a lot of research. That's ev- they they can make evidence-based decisions that are sound. So you know going into it how much they're spending within your you know your your NICS code, the North American Industry Classification System code. You can find exactly how much they're spending within that code and which agency are spending it, even with contracting officers. But the fact that there's so much information also means it's harder to, to get through it. It's harder to take that information and slice it and dice it to make sense. Um, so, and actually just going back to the and Michigan Defense Center Love Fest, that's one of the great things that the MEDC has programming in is helping small businesses um, understand how to get into that defense industrial base and do it the right
1: way. And I would imagine you already kind of, led into this question. What challenges and opportunities do you see sort of around the horizon for you that uh, I know you mentioned cybersecurity as one, but what else do you see sort of, especially in your sector, you know, of defense? I'm sure you do DARPA stuff too, I would guess. I don't know everything you do.
2: You know, I'm not, you know, DARPA is amazing. Um, I'm not Uh, The the R and D capabilities that I have aren't quite at the DARPA level. We're looking we look more at some um, small business innovation research cyber opportunities that have to do with sustainable packaging or alternatives to single use packaging that the Army and the Defense Logistics Agency has put out. Um, So there's a little bit of R and D in my world. I think when I look at challenges that are. Both obvious to us and probably also around the corner. Um, you know, cybersecurity is not one to be understated. Um, the cybersecurity uh, maturation model certification program has just undergone a lot of changes. Um, we made a pretty strong commitment to compliance with CMMC early on, and we've we've we we don't regret a single decision that we made in investing in that. We are as a company, we are 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 strong in that area. Um, uh, around the corner, you know, when when President Biden first took office, one of his first um, one of his first executive orders really addressed resiliency in our domestic supply chain. Um, I mean, you can't you can't pick up your phone or open your computer or pick up a newspaper without seeing something on the front page that has to do with supply chain challenges. So many of those are become are because of of cargo coming in, right? So when we really look at that resiliency domestically, I think we'll see a lot more focus paid on on. American American manufacturing and really identifying those sectors. It's not just about the chips going into cars. It's about, you know, the, the the rest of the peripheral equipment that goes into making mortars or even the foam that's packaging mortars. I mean, we really, I think we have maybe two domestic manufacturers of fabric, um, you know, really looking into where, where those investments need to be made and how we're using those companies. Um, so I think the the, the, ex, the expertise of supply chain professionals and logisticians is going to become increasingly relevant. So all of the people that went to my alma mater, Michigan State, and majored in supply chain management, I'm super jealous of them because I was an English major. And that, like, that, that expertise is profound. And they were probably there thinking, I didn't pick a very sexy or glamorous major, but look, they totally did. We need those brains. It's, yeah, I think I, there's we, a lot of interesting there.
1: You might get a chance. We interviewed Dr. Melnick. He's like head of the department for supply chain and logistics.
2: uh, I'm giving plugs to all your other guests. This is amazing.
1: It's an ecosystem we've created on our own. (laughs) So um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, as you do this, Michigan must also be a very fertile place because we have so much manufacturing people are doing stuff and so it's just sort of a maybe a technology transfer of some of the products that you can use for some of your clients too right
2: absolutely absolutely and and we um, you know michigan is you know i just I, I really like to brag about the the defense industry here because it's so strong i mean pretty much any joint vehicle program has some kind of tentacle in southeast michigan because of the ground vehicle center here and 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 and, and tacom and warren i mean we are we have such expertise and such respect nationally for what we do in the automotive industry, and that has transitioned into defense automotive too. Um, so our, you know, the I've, I've already bragged about women in defense, but the National Defense Industrial Association's Michigan chapter is one of the strongest in the country. Um, the Association of the United States Army, same thing. The Arsenal of Democracy chapter here in Michigan really well regarded because we have such interesting programs in Michigan, and that attracts some of the really large defense primes. You know, we have General. Dynamics land systems here. We have BAE systems here. We have, you know, AM General. It's, we have we have great industries in Southeast Michigan because of the Department of Defense.
1: Yeah, and I know our aerospace industry is growing, too, as sort of a byproduct of some of that, too.
2: For sure, for sure, for sure. And we see that a lot in West Michigan, too. We see a lot of aerospace in West Michigan. I feel like I'm fangirling on the Detroit area. My, my roots are there. But, I mean, Grand Rapids has some really interesting economic development initiatives and, and aerospace is really strong there.
1: Yeah, no, I'm sure you're there for a reason that's good beyond job I,
2: I, again I married into it I'm married into it
1: <laughs> so the last couple questions are uh if you could maybe give anyone some career advice and you just sort of did actually with your Michigan state and supply chain but uh what would you tell people to get into if you could go back and talk to yourself which you sort of just did <laughs> when you want to change your <laughs> english major um but what else would you suggest for anybody that's you know, either mid-career or just going to college, whatever you think.
2: I I would also say, um, and again, I I really only know Michigan as a comparison. I've never lived anywhere else and I don't want to, Um, but, find a mentor because the mentorship, the the people willing to mentor um, young uh, rising professionals or emerging leaders. I mean, I see it within the defense industry, but I also see it within the supply chain management industry. There's, there's a lot of interest in taking some of those, those emerging leaders and really helping them identify their career path. Um, We have at Jetco, we have a a fair number of younger employees. We really encourage them to get involved in those those initiatives. Each one of our employees that has a, as a professional development plan that we're trying to nurture, you know, the, if if you're in college, you, you own, nobody else owns your career development. And so really looking at that, embracing it, writing down a plan and finding somebody to hold you accountable for that plan is really, really powerful. Um, I would, I would also, I would. I mean, you know, so sorry for all the English majors out there. That is a regret. I mean, I can write well in any in any field, and and having an area of expertise and being the. I mean, seriously, learn how to write. Oh my gosh, there's so many bad writers in the world. I cringe when I get emails sometimes. Not from you, Ed. Your emails are sound. You're <laughs> a solid writer, Ed. You've done well. I, I don't judge you. I don't judge you when I when I get email. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. My mom will be happy the Catholic school's paid off. You're welcome. You're um, welcome. Right. So the last question I have for you is, what is your favorite thing in Michigan to do or to visit? Or, you know, what do you like best about living in the state? You're a good it is Lake Michigan.
2: It. it is absolutely Lake Michigan. I can't imagine not having access to Lake Michigan. That thing is amazing. Those waves. Oh. Come on! If you're having a bad day on Lake Michigan, you're not trying.
1: Well, I think that uh, you should talk to some folks about getting some more promotions for you, maybe to get some rooms <laughs> on the lake.
2: Um, you know, I have I have a story for you, Ed. I'm sure you're cringing right now, but. Uh, it was. I think it was twenty nineteen or twenty twenty. We were on the Inc five thousand list. Jetco Federal was on the Inc five the the list of the fastest five thousand growing companies privately held. I just totally hacked that, but you get what I'm saying. And it was a big deal. I mean, the growth that we had was the fact that we managed it. Oh my gosh, it was a it was a big deal. Um, and actually, the MEDC came in and did a, a little video segment with us about why Michigan, why why Michigan is our home. And that really forced me to think quite a bit, not just about why I like it here in terms of like, cool, I get to go to a lake. I mean, you could, anywhere in Michigan, you can drive two hours and be in a lake, right? Well, you can be at a lake. Don't drive into the lake. That wasn't my recommendation. Thanks but for there's the such a <laughs> right? there's such a strong network here across the board. You know, I can pick up the phone and call business owners who are gonna who are gonna guide me against a failure, or I've got resources through the small business development centers or through the PTEC or through the Michigan Defense Center or through the MEDC. There are so many organizations that care about the success of our business climate. And there might be arguments that we're not doing it perfectly at every step. But there can't be the argument that we're not trying passionately to support the business climate. I, I just think we're we're very lucky here. And that video really made me reflect on that.
1: Well, once again, I can see why you're on so many boards and why it's hard for you to say no, because you really bring a lot of energy, I'm sure, to these boards. And I do. I mean, that's seriously, I know. it's. I've known you a while, but I know you're really being successful over there. And I really wish you the best of luck. Once again, it's Sue Tellier, owner and president of Jetco Federal. Thanks again for doing the show today, Sue. It
2: was super fun, Ed. You did
1: a great job. (laughs) Yes, thank you. And don't forget to tune in next week when we have Olga Stella, executive director of Design Corps Detroit and vice president of strategy and communications for the College of Creative Studies. Olga will talk a lot about how we get into creative discussion on design, form and function, art business their international footprint and a long learning history
0: the michigan opportunity is brought to you by the michigan economic development corporation join us and make your mark where it matters visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion